Welcome to the old school meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. So I am TJ. Um, I'm a compulsive eater. I'm from San Diego, originally from Chicago. And I have, I'm a compulsive eater. Um, I've been in recovery for 35 years. Um, and of those 35 years, six of it was, um, I still count in recovery, but I wasn't going to meetings. Um, and, but for the past 18 years, I've had continuous imperfect abstinence and recovery has become an integral part of my life. Um, so um, what was it like? 35 years ago, I was a younger man and you would think that I was perfectly happy. Um, I had a good job. I had an excellent education. Um, enough money to owe, owe, owe on a car and owe on a house. Um, but I had no good friends. Um, I had no relationship with my family. Um, I was basically a loner um, using food. I had a relationship with food. Um, I was always a fat kid, or at least I thought I was. Um, but I went through ups and downs my whole life. I started dieting when I was in eighth grade and I lost some weight and then I gained some weight and then I lost some weight. So anyway, uh, when I first started, I was not overweight by external appearances and my life seemed to be nice, but it wasn't. And I didn't know what to do. There was lots of stuff rumbling around in my head and I just felt out of place, out of sorts. Um, so um, let me tell you a little bit about my family. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and he never found recovery. He died an alcoholic. That was a very sad state. Um, my mom was, uh, she had her own issues with things. She, <laughs> way back when in the 60s, it wasn't unusual for women who wanted to look extra thin and nice to find themselves a diet doctor and get diet pills. So she was basically on speed for much of my childhood. So my dad and my mom were emotionally unavailable and our family was like that. I didn't have a close relationship with my brothers and sisters. Um, and we all were very independent people. Um, thankfully, I have an independent spirit um, some of my other brothers and sisters didn't, and they suffered more than me, I think. Um, but, you know, my mom and dad provided a roof over my head, um, food, um, stable, but not emotionally available. I remember my mom used to say, don't feel that way. And she should have stopped at the first two words, don't feel. Um, so um, there's all that stuff in my past. Uh, and I don't want to dwell on it, and I don't want to blame anybody, but I also want to mention some wonderful things that happened to me as a kid. One was my Aunt Lil, who taught me what unconditional love was about. 
Um, I wished I had been able to spend more time with her. Actually, I had 30, she was 65 when I was born. She was a great, great aunt. But I had 30 years with her. She lived to be 98. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. And Norman and Roy, these were friends of my Aunt Lil, a gay couple uh, who I used to hang around with my Aunt Lil and Norman and Roy, and we'd go downtown and have a great time. And they just kind of showed me how okay life could be. They all had their individual issues and problems, um, but I felt comfortable with them and I felt accepted and I felt happier with them than I did with my family. So that was great. That was a wonderful experience for me. Um, so what happened? Um, why did I feel so horrible? Not horrible. I felt, out, I just felt out of it. I didn't feel like I feel today uh, when I found my way into OA. Um, into recovery. Um, I was just coming out myself uh, around that time, and I thought that that was going to solve all my problems. Uh, I honestly believed at that time that that was the root of all the problems with me and my family, me and my life, me and my work, and so forth. Um, and I found a, a group of friends that were really my family of choice. We used some people could talk about birth family and family of choice. And I like that idea because I did form and establish and still have a family of friends who support me more than I ever learned how to be supported by my fam my birth family. So um, I was talking with my friend Jerry one day, uh, and he happened to uh, mention that I might want to go to a 12-step meeting with him, an Al-Anon meeting, an adult children of alcoholics meeting. And I trusted him enough um, that I showed up and I instantly felt at home. Um, it was amazing to me to hear people talk about these issues that I didn't even know I had. Um, and just hearing other people mention certain things about their lives and their relationships and their issues and problems, and and the recovery, I thought this this is amazing. Uh, how come I never heard about this stuff? How come I don't know how to talk to people this way? How do these people know how to be so happy? So um, six minutes. Thank you. So um, I stuck with that meeting for a long time. Um, made a lot of good friends. Some of whom I have today. Some of them wound up moving, this was back in Chicago, wound up moving also to San Diego, and I'm in touch with them all the time. Um, so uh, I started in in, in Al-Anon, like I said, and what that helped me do was disentangle all of this stuff that was jumbling around in my head. Um, the gay issues, the family issues, the relationship issues, issues with jobs, and just comfort with myself, body image issues, um, and so forth. And uh, I had no idea that food was involved in all of that, none at all, until I met somebody in that group who also said, you know, you might want to come to this other meeting with me. So I did. And again, it was an eye opener because people started talking about issues that I didn't even know I had issues about food, issues about having a relationship with food. There were times when it was more important to me to get myself food, just the right kind of food, than to meet with a friend or go out on a date or, you know, the normal human relationships. Food was more important to me than that. I made more time in my life 
for food than I did for other things. And when I heard other people talk about um, their relationship with food, their issues with food, their success with, with, with OA, um, I was really encouraged. Um, I, that feeling of not being alone anymore, I really got that pretty quickly. Now, that's not to say that I was instantly um, a pro or, you know, had it all down. It took me quite a while. Um, the first step was pretty easy for me, um, at least on paper. I don't know that it really sunk in. Sometimes I think I have to do the first step over all the time, but that's okay too. Um, and then the uh, second and third step with higher power were tough for me. Um, being so independent, um, it's hard for me that to, it was hard for me to rely on a higher power. Um, and the fourth, fifth, and sixth steps, seventh steps um, about, you know, my uh, uh, defects of character and so forth were uh, best handled for me with a counselor. It really helped me to get outside help. Um, they talk about that in the book, you know, of course, sponsorship and talking with other people is very, very good stuff. Um, but I got a whole lot out of working with a counselor, um, a lot of guidance, a lot of uh, insight, and uh, it really helped me. When it came to the eighth and ninth step, that's where my family issues came back. Um, and I sometimes used to misread the steps. Um, when I read uh, the step about making amends, what I thought it said is, it's my responsibility to fix these relationships and make them perfect like in books and movies. <laughs> and of course, that's impossible. Um, so I tried my best to make amends, to try and um, be a better person, to talk and act with my family members like I had learned to talk and act with people in program. And it didn't really work. Um, and I see now that they didn't really have the capability to be honest and real and open with me. Um, they just didn't have that. And they were either gonna change or they weren't and I couldn't make it happen. All I could do is be the best person I could be with them. I did have some more success, I guess you call it, with my younger brother. Um, he found his way uh, into recovery from alcohol and I'm sure that's the reason that he became a little more open, a little more understanding, and a little more ready to talk with me about reality and honesty. Um, so that was a that was a good thing. So that's what happened, and what I'm like now is that my recovery has become a real integral part of my life. Um, I want to talk about the tools of recovery because um, I use the tools every day, not all of them, and not all of them perfectly, but I wanna remind you, remind us what the tools are. Um, I'm reading this from the oa.org website. Uh, a plan of eating, it's a plan that helps us abstain from compulsive eating. Sponsorship, we ask a sponsor to help us through all three levels of our program, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Meetings, meetings give us an opportunity to identify our common problems, confirm our common solution, et cetera. Telephone, uh, telephone, texting, emailing, sponsors, and other members of OA. Writing, 
putting our thoughts and feelings down on paper, describing troubling or joyous incidents. Literature, reading OA-approved literature and uh, AA-approved literature, um, in my case, uh, helps me. Uh, an action plan, um, creating an action plan is the process of identifying and implementing attainable actions to support our individual abstinence and emotional, spiritual, and physical recovery. And anonymity, um, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions. Um, I like to use principles before personalities as part of anonymity. That's true. Thank you. And then service. Any form of service, no matter how small, helps. Showing up at a meeting. Showing up at a meeting as a newcomer is service. Um, I've, so let me just give a brief review of how I use this. A plan of eating is important to me. It's something that I do every single day. Uh, I do it at the end of the day, and I plan for tomorrow. Uh, and I also kind of incorporate that with writing uh, and a uh, daily um, inventory 10-step um, by writing what I plan to eat tomorrow and how did I do in my eating plan yesterday. Um, the most important thing in all of that for me is honesty. Um, when I don't eat what I plan to eat today, and that's almost always, I'm always making a substitution here or there, little things, acceptable things, um, I'm honest about it and I just write it down. Um, I don't beat myself up about it. And I'm honest about what's happened today, um, uh, what I need to change in my behavior tomorrow, uh, um, amends that I might need to make. Um, meetings are really important to me. Uh, at the moment, I'm only doing one uh, meeting a week, but it's a meeting that I am just committed to. Um, I've done service there for many, many years, uh, really all my 18 years in, in continuous abstinence. Um, uh, that's a literature meeting, so I get a lot of uh, reading and discussing literature done there. An action plan, part of my action plan is exercise. That's a real part of my physical recovery. Um, and uh, it was it was difficult for me over the pandemic to get in all the exercise I needed, but I did the best I could. And um, service, service is really important. I've done service at meetings, little service like setting up chairs, bigger service like being on intergroup boards. Um, and I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about some challenges that I've had in recovery uh, I'm sorry, in my life since I've been in recovery and how my recovery has helped me. Um, about 12 years ago, almost to the day, um, I had a serious issue with my eyes. I had a, a detached retina and it was very scary and I didn't know how to handle it. And I needed a lot of help and I called people and they helped me. Um, I had faith in my doctors and and um, just, um, an understanding that everything was going to be okay. And that seems crazy. What does overeating have to do with, with knowing that everything's going to be okay with my health? I don't know. But I do know that um, why, so let me get to why I stay abstinent today. I stay abstinent today, well, because I could hardly imagine not being. It's it's kind of a habit for me now. 
but it makes my life easier. It makes my life better. Yes, it's challenging sometimes to eat the way I plan to eat and to do the exercise I plan to do and to be honest with people the way I plan to be honest. And I'm not always perfect in all of that stuff, but I'm much better than I used to be. And it makes my life easier. It's, it's easier to do all those things. It's easier to have a plan of eating. Um, I can't tell you how many times I used to stand in front of the refrigerator and look in there and think, what's going to make me feel good today? Is it going to be that? Is it going to be that? And of course, the answer is- No, 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 Leo. No, no, this is, this is going to go in the trash if you don't eat it now. <laughs> Could we mute everybody, Leslie, except TJ? Or... That's, a, that's a great. I love that little interruption because it reminds me that the trash can can be my best friend sometimes too. There are times when I want to eat all the rest of that, but no, I don't. I shouldn't and I won't. And so I throw it away. Anyway, um, I, I was talking about how uh, it's easier for me to be I have a better life and it really is easier in spite of some of the challenges to be honest with people, to be honest about my food, um, to uh, just live the principles. Um, I'm sorry, the, uh, what, what is it that we say? Live, live, practice these principles in all our affairs. And if I have, how many minutes do I have left? I'm going to read the promises anyway, because they've come true for me. One minute. Hey, great. The promises are from page 83 and 84 of the big book. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. So thanks for letting me share, everybody. <laughs>